My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Excited today. All right, well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. Uh, we, I think, are going to finish up this little pericope in... Uh, Philippians chapter 2, so if you've got your Bibles, head over to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, if you have your green book, let's go to the next slide, Dave. If you have your green book, we are on page 129. Um, there, are, uh, there are rumors amid, afloat that we are going to finish the green book at some point. Um, and, uh, and what will happen when we finish the green book is that I will print another green book uh, that I have ready to go. So we are about ish two months away from i think finishing this book up ish right uh brian i saw that smirk i saw that smirk yes yes it will be green too uh i think the whole series will be green we'll we'll see we'll see um and it was not my <laughs> of course it should be green right absolutely right josh should absolutely be green <laughs> he's, he's i'm pressing it right now <laughs> Yeah, not two minutes in. All right. That was for my friend Tim Bolognone online. So, Tim, uh, fly, eagles, fly. There you go. All right. Uh, but no, so it, what I would love, 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 in all seriousness, it, it's all seriousness, if you have any feedback, good, bad, ugly, uh, tweak this, change this, push this, give us more room or less, like now is the time for me to gather all that feedback because I really want to lock into a good format kind of from here on out so that I'm not having to wiggle and change this stuff because it's it could be a bit of a hassle at times but uh would love to just lock in so anything and everything down to whatever you can think of tweaks on the green book give me that feedback and we'll bake that in all right with all that uh let's jump into philippians chapter 2 i'll read through philippians chapter 2 uh, and then we'll pick up lord willing with verse 9 and look at 9 10 and 11 today <clears throat> so philippians 2 if then there is any encouragement in Christ. If any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, unified in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, 
among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself also will come soon. But I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you since and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Philippians chapter 2. So keep your Bibles open, especially if you have a copy of the whole Bible because we're going to be heading to the, wait for it, Old Testament for a hot minute. Stephen, good, good morning, sir. It's good to see you. That's a joy. That's encouraging. Thank you, brother, for being here. Uh, so let's take a look at uh, our text for today. So we're looking at verses 9, 10, and 11 today. If you want to go to the next slide for me. But um, uh, So for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above it. I can't, it's hard to read this like on my heels. I want to read this on my toes bouncing because it's such an exciting text. Uh, the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in the heaven and on earth and under the earth and under and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now if you've if you've looked at the Christ hymn verses 5 through 11 there is a very specific pattern that is happening here. So we are we start out very high and exalted and we immediately begin going low. And then the the turning point as is I would argue the turning point for basically the whole scripture is the cross and the resurrection of Christ, at which point in the Christ hymn, everything goes dramatically up. So let's go to the next slide. I want to show you this language here. So the, this, in technical terms, this is called the humiliation and the exaltation of Christ. Um, and we think about the word humiliation in a, in a very specific con. Like when I say somebody was humiliated, you have a picture, of, like something comes into your head, and sometimes you're like, wait, should we talk about Jesus like that? Yes, we should, because if you think about where he left and what he engaged intentionally, actively himself to do, he intentionally humiliated himself, so there was, he, he emptied, he became a servant in humanity, there was a humbling, there was a death, and then you know, we ended last week's lesson with this cruciform concept, right, that the Christian life is cross-shaped, and Christ embraced that. We, t- we talked about how he was part of the creative work. Nothing was created in the universe without Christ. And he created trees that he knew would eventually, he would hang on one and be judged for us. So we, we kind of have this inflection point at the, bo- at the bottom of verse 8. And then 
And then we get to this highly exalted name above, knees bowed, tongues confessed, Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, Paul is just like, as how high can you fly with the concept of the person and work of Jesus Christ? So I want to make sure that we see this humiliation and then this coming back out because it's going to matter with what he does next with some examples. So, all right, let's go to the next slide there, Dave. Uh, so let's go to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45, so you've got your Bibles. Oh, I have a... So this new Bible that I have has three bookmarks. Like, fancy schmancy. I remember when I opened it up, I was like, three? Who needs to... No. My name's Jim, I need three, yes. Um, so Isaiah 45 is heavy stuff. So we, we are in the crux of... Like Isaiah really, um, I, had a, I roomed with a preacher boy in college, and he would call this shucking the corn, um, where just, and some of y'all are like, yep, I know what that term means, and some of you are like, I didn't grow up on a farm, it's okay. Uh, we, we are stripping everything away, he's laying it bare, we're getting right to the point and being very direct. <clears throat> so in verse 1, the Lord says this to Cyrus, his anointed, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue the nations before him and disarm kings to open doors before him and even city gates will not be shut. So was Cyrus a good king or a bad king? Does anybody remember? Cyrus, good king or bad king? Based on this, you'd, you'd think good, right? Yeah. Does God wield kingdoms throughout history like I might wield my iPhone? <laughs> yes, he does. He does with them whatever he sees fit to accomplish his will and his purpose, and this is what he was doing with Cyrus. Um, I'll let you guys go research Cyrus. But there are some, there's some language in here. In verse 4, uh, I will call you by your name for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen one. Verse 9, woe to the one who argues with his maker, one clay pot among many. Does clay say to the one forming it, why are you making or... Does your work say he has no hands? So lots of, lots of dialogue back and forth here. Verse 14, this is what the Lord says. So God is communicating right here. Uh, verse 18, this is what the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, the God who formed the earth and made it, the one who established it. Uh, he didn't create it to be a wasteland, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the, at the end of verse 18, I am the what? The Lord. Look at that word in your copy of the scripture. What is weird about that word compared to the other words in the sentence? It's all caps, right? And for some of you, it might be like, well, it's not, is it? Is it all caps or like small caps? This is technically small caps in our English Bibles. They used to be all caps where all the letters are big. Now you have this like fancy font that you can do it. It's, it's all caps. So Bible trivia, what does the all caps Lord mean in the Old Testament? Okay, so it is. Yeah, I was like, Jesus is actually not the right answer right here. Um, and I, I didn't want to say those words out loud. Uh, and, oh, we're about to tie it back. Okay, he, he kind of sort of is. Because Jesus, just hold tight, hold tight. That answer's coming, that answer's coming. All right. I was not prepared for that answer this morning, if you couldn't tell. Like, that broke me. Like, my programming ran out of code at that point. I was like, I don't have a reference error in my Excel spreadsheet. Okay. Um... That's like two weeks in a row, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, so, so I am the Lord, and there is, there's a few others that are like me. 
No, 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 no. There is no other. There is no other like the Lord. So, uh, verse 20, uh, Come gather together and approach, you fugitives of the nations, those who carry their wooden idols and pray to a God who cannot save and have no knowledge. Speak up and present your cause. Yes, let them consult each other. This is... God is taunting the other gods here, if this is what this sounds like. Yes, this is taunting language. Uh, Who predicted this long ago? Who announced it from ancient times? Was it not I, the Lord? There is no other God but me, a righteous God and Savior. There is no one except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, because by God's name is the highest name you can swear. So God swearing by his own name is the highest oath that you can, he can make. Truth has gone from my mouth, a word that will not be revoked. Every knee will bow to who? Me. And who's the me referencing? Yahweh. All right, so we're about to connect some dots. <laughs> You probably see where this is going, okay? Every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will... Were those the words you were expecting to see? What were you expecting to see? Confess. When a Roman citizen said, Caesar is Lord, what was he doing? He's confessing his allegiance. He's saying, this is who I serve. This is who is in charge of me. It was both a political and a spiritual statement. Now, I have leaned real heavy into the political part so far. But I want to ease up just a smidge and lean real heavy into the spiritual parts here. Every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will swear allegiance. It will be said about me, righteousness and strength are found only in the Lord Yahweh. All who are enraged against him will come to him and be put to shame. All the descendants of Israel will be justified and boast in the Lord. So, when Paul, hundreds and hundreds of years later, in Philippians, writes and says that the Father has given to Jesus Christ a name, that at the name of Jesus, knees will bow, tongues will confess, Do you think Paul is aware of this particular... Yes, Paul is intimately aware of this particular text. And Paul is making a statement here that Jesus and Yahweh are equivalent. And if your brains just hurt, they're going to hurt a lot more here in a couple of minutes. So let's just... We'll pause that concept. Let's go to the next slide here, Dave. And we'll pick up on page 129 in your green book. So, um, So page 129... This is bugging me that you don't have one. So. We've talked about this thing. I don't know that you've actually seen it yet. So there's that. Yeah. All right. So verse 9, uh, at the top of page 129, for, and this is, the, this is not the word dia, this is the word do, which is like kind of sort of close, uh, but it means through this. Uh, so through this reasoning that Paul has just described, through this humiliation, so because of all of this humiliation, and if you want... If you want to know about the concept of the humble will be exalted, does that, do those words, you're like, I've heard that somewhere. Yes, Jesus said this several times. He said it in Matthew 23, 12. He said it in Luke 14, 11. He said it in Luke 18, 14. James says it in 4, 10. 1 Peter 5, 6. Like, this shows up a lot in the New Testament, this concept of the humble will be exalted. 
And Jesus, once again, is an example of the message that he spoke. This is not one of those, well, he said a lot of things, but he didn't actually do. No, 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 no. He is our example. So for this reason, God is talking about God the Father here, highly exalted. This, this word uh, highly exalted is, is uh, hooper oop suo, uh, which just sounds like you're, you're like, this seems like a lot of stuff. Yes, hooper, which means above. Uh, this word means to elevate above others or to raise to the highest position. Uh, Tony Morita and uh, Francis Chan in the Christ-Centered Exposition have a great little quote. It says, Jesus is, an exalted, is in an exalted class by himself. I love that, right? I love that. We, you and I are never going to be in this class. So Julie and I like watching old period pieces where there's a, a different... Uh, time of history that some TV show or movies in and there's different class structures and, that, and it's like ooh, what it would be like to be in we're never in this class ever at the end of all things we are not in this class I want everybody to hear this okay this is not us there's a special place for Jesus and we are not going to inhabit that place this is one of the reasons that we are not Jehovah's Witnesses Jehovah's Witnesses, like Jesus is a God, we'll be gods too one day. Yay, we'll be, no, we will not be equal with Christ. No, no, take those words out of your mouth. That is not okay. So what do we, what's the takeaway here? What's our application? Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ is exalted above all. He is exalted above all. That word highly exalted means exalted, raised to the highest position there is. And this might be my, favorite thing about the way this word is used in the new testament because this is the only time this word shows up in the new testament and i like that that it shows up once and is talking about our lord jesus christ that seems stunningly appropriate love it i looked it up in the bdag as well it means highly exalted it means raised above everything else <clears throat> it's usually used in first century uh literature to talk about planets and like the sun and the moon and things far, like things that are like stunningly farther away than we could ever get to. So this is not just like, well, he was 6'8". No, 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 no. He's 93 million miles kind of stuff, like dramatically further beyond. So he's highly exalted. So God highly exalted him and gave him the name. Now, if you have not studied or heard of this concept before, you're going to want to think about it for a hot minute before you go like, I don't know, I don't know about that, Jim. So just, just roll with me here for a second. Gave him the name that is above every name. The question that I have for you is what is this name? Yes. Very good. Jesus is definitively the wrong answer here. Jesus was his name at birth. This is a name that the Father gives after the cross and the resurrection. This is the name that he gets after he has done the mission that he is supposed to go do. And Paul, by using this language right here, is hearkening back to Isaiah 45 and connecting these dots for us. So yes, Sandra... Bam, exactly right. Very, very good. Um, in the Christ-Centered Exposition, they make reference to a John Piper sermon that he preached uh, back in 82. 
I can't imagine saying anything good enough that in 40 years it'll still be quoted, but uh, it's one of the reasons I'm not John Piper, so there you go. Uh, This is the sermon that it came from, and all the earth shall own him Lord, which there's a lot of theology in that title, so I'll read you this, uh, this quote here. What name did Jesus receive after his resurrection that he did not have before? Well, not Jesus. Jesus is precisely the name of the humble servant who went to Calvary. In Acts 2.36, Peter says, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It was his lordship and messiahship, his messianic lordship that was bestowed on him at his exaltation. Not that he wasn't Messiah and Lord before his resurrection, he was. But he had not fulfilled the mission of Messiah until he had died for our sins and risen again. And therefore, before his death and resurrection, the lordship of Christ over the world had not been brought fully to actuality. The rebel forces were yet undefeated, and the power of darkness held the world in its grip. In order to be acclaimed Messiah and Lord, the Son of God had to come, defeat the enemy, and lead his people out of bondage in triumph over sin and Satan and death. And that he did on Good Friday and Easter. The name that is above every name, therefore, is Lord, which harkens back to Lord of Yahweh in the Old Testament. The Lord victorious over all his enemies. The Lord who had purchased a people from every tribe and tongue and nation. Woo. Maybe when I grow up one day, I'll be able to speak like that, but that day is not today. So I'll just read you a little bit of Piper. So the name that is, and we continue on page 130, above every name. So above how many names? Most? All. So application here, Jesus was given a name above every other name. Did I give you the personalization back on 129? I did not, did I? Some of you are like... You have violated the rules, Jim. So our Lord Jesus Christ is exalted above all, so we should worship him accordingly. We should worship him accordingly. If the Eagles win the Super Bowl today, I will be happy, but I will not worship them as I will worship the one who is exalted above all. At the bottom of page 130, our application is Jesus was given a name above every other name, so what should we do with that? We should worship him accordingly. Because there is nobody else who has the name that is above every name. Which is great for us. So verse 10 on page 131. So that, in order that, like there's a a purpose here. And you'll notice that these purposes build on each other and land at the exact place that all of creation was created for, the glory of God. So... The Father gives Jesus the name above every name for the purpose of, at the name, the singular name of Jesus, every knee will bow. So our application at the bottom here, every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. What do you think we should do with that? Worship him accordingly. Yes, that's exactly right. We get an, this is the worst preacher joke ever. We get an opportunity to get a head start here, right? Yeah. That's an amazing idea to picture that one day every knee will bow. Like, 
Just imagine that for a second. Like, what event or action or piece of fact or truth can you imagine that would result in the whole world bowing? Think about how divided we are just in this country. Like, what would result in the whole world? But wait, there's more. Page 132, in heaven, so all the created beings in heaven, all the saints in heaven, and on earth, so we're covering everybody here, and in good Pauline fashion, we have to be comprehensive about all of our categories, and under the earth. Uh, This is a reference to the subterranean or those who have left us. So it's not just all those right now, it's all those who ever have been. Well, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I have an appropriate unit of measure to describe how many that is, because I'm really not sure how many angels and demons there are. Because all them are going to bow too. But wait, verse 11, there's more. <laughs> So application at the bottom of page 132, every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. That's the same as I had on page 131, right? Yeah, okay, leave it alone then. Verse 11, and every tongue will confess. Have you ever wondered why God gave you a tongue? The best I can tell, the only thing that everybody's tongue is eventually going to do one day is confess this. So I feel really comfortable that saying that God gave us knees to bow and tongues to confess. We can do that now. At the, na- the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess to acknowledge, to agree fully. So application in the bottom of page 133, every tongue will confess at the name of Jesus. Every tongue will confess at the name of Jesus. What do we do with that? Worship him accordingly. Yes, yes. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And probably my favorite quote so far in Any of the commentaries that I've read is this next one, Dave. Dr. Fee says, including Lord Nero. (laughs) Love it. All the Caesars, all the emperors, all the rulers, all the dictators, all the presidents, all the whatever blank you want to put in, the servants, the slaves, the executives, the whatever, everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, this is sobering, and it's celebratory as well. Uh, Marita and Chan say this. Say, some will confess him as Lord with great joy and humility, and others will confess him as Lord with despair and anguish. This is is heart-wrenchingly sad. But with a long enough view... The name of Jesus is what matters. And us proclaiming and declaring our allegiance, our faith, our commitment to Jesus Christ actually fulfills where Paul lands in some of his most lofty language in the entire New Testament. To the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus... 
I love that my Bible just flips open to Philippians. All of this humiliation results in all of this exaltation for the purpose of the glory of God the Father. And when every knee bows and when every tongue confesses, the Father gets glory. And this is beautiful. And I, I, something I had not thought about as a, as a concept of this, uh, Marita and Chan talk about this, they have this next quote, there is no rivalry in the Godhead, only delight and honor. I'm going to mess with your heads for just a second. What was the Trinity doing before the creation of the world? I'll tell you. The Father was delighting in the Son. The Son was giving the Father glory. And the Spirit was testifying of that delight and love, which is what they are doing now, which is what they will do forever. I told you your head was going to hurt today, and it's okay. So where do we land? Application at the bottom of page 134. God will be glorified in the worship of his son. God will be glorified in the worship of his son, so worship him accordingly. Worship him accordingly. All right, Dave, let's go to the next slide. So normally, in about five or six minutes' time, I would end the lesson and we would move into our prayer time. So for those of you online, thank you so much. Uh, Put in the comments any prayer requests you have. We would love to pray for you with those. And for those of you in the room, we have a special time of prayer that we're going to have this morning. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and end the live stream here. So thanks, guys. No Sunday school next week. We will pick back up, Lord willing, the week after with uh, Philippians 2.12. So we'll pick up there. Thanks. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.